And it's important if you have knowledge of it, you get your faith out there. You, you get to know the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. We said blessing defined. The Hebrew word means to praise. To confer a blessing, it means to bend the knee to make prosperous. We could stop right there. Listen, if you want God's blessings next year, learn how to bend your knee. To the ancient Hebrews, this blessing was the transmitted power of God's goodness and favor. Usually through the spoken word. You can't think a blessing. You have to what? Speak a blessing. All right. And then there's the laying on of hands that goes along with it. Then there's another Hebrew word, asher, that means to be happy and the receiver of good fortune. It means to advance or prosper. Then the Greek word e-u-l-o-g-i-a, where we give a eulogy, that means to speak a good word concerning someone or something. We said there are four types of blessings. There's a blessing spoken by God to people and a blessing spoken by people to God. We said uh, there's a blessing spoken by God or people over things. You mean you can bless things? Sure. Well, one of my favorite things to bless are kids. Amen. When we have baby dedications, I'm blessing that child. Okay. You can bless your home. You can bless your kitchen. You can bless every room in the house. Did you know that? Speak a blessing over your finances. All right. Then there's the intentional act of speaking God's favor and power into someone's life and laying hands on them. We said God's nature is to bless. What was the first thing God the Father, you don't need to turn there, I'll give you a clue, it's in Genesis 1. What did God do after he created man and woman? He blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, all right? We said the blessing of God upon our lives. Now, this is important. The blessing on our lives and our families requires responsibility and accountability. That means if God blesses you, you're responsible to to be a good steward of that blessing. Amen. And we also said you should never be satisfied. Yes, you need to be content, but there's always another higher level of blessing that you could enter into. Amen. We said all the spiritual blessings of God are found in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. All the spiritual blessings of God are realized in your relationship with Christ. And when do you experience the blessings of Christ? What do you have to do? Thank you. Be born again. That's where you experience a rich inheritance. We learned that we are the chosen ones of God. We're adopted as sons. We're accepted in the beloved and redeemed by his blood. E.W. Kenyon said this, every believer is in Christ. How many of you are in Christ? Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Every believer is in Christ, Kenyon says, but his words are not in every believer. That's a sobering thing. We also learned that the Jewish people understand the power of words and verbal blessings. You see, if you'd go into a synagogue or you'd see the Jewish people in a service, you know, the rabbi speaks blessings over the people. 
They believe their words and they believe the blessings that they speak are going to have a profound effect upon their seed and their seed seed. They believe that the words and the blessings they speak are full of power and it's going to affect the next generation. The author of the book that I studied this year stated, I'm convinced that throughout redemptive history, God has ordained that the verbal blessing, the verbal blessing be the key passageway that counters the effects of the curse of sin by the fall. Amen? And so we need to realize that when we speak a blessing, it has a uh, it uh, has an effect upon that individual's life because how many of you know we come from very dysfunctional backgrounds? We we realize that maybe our parents weren't saved, our grandparents weren't saved. Maybe they were, and that's a wonderful thing. But many people today do not have that you know blessing of coming from a a family that that serves God. And because of that, there's a curse. There's, there's things that, that come upon the, the ne- on the seed in the next generation. We said that uh, the forgotten blessing, which is what I just read you, may God cause you to forget the pain of your past. That's Manasseh. Okay, so what's Manasseh mean? Forget the pain of your past. And make you fruitful and prosperous in your future. And who's that? That's Ephraim. We said the climate of relationships in these last days, that love will grow cold, there'll be hatred, there'll be offense, there'll be betrayal. And we said a decision to bless and not curse will cause a release of God's power in the realm of the spirit. A decision to bless and not curse. We said destructive words. Anyone here ever spoke any destructive words? Destructive words harm the emotional well-being of the next generation. These words can, can have a, a negative effect upon a person's identity, making it difficult to maintain self-control. Iniquity, iniquity will take root in that individual's life. And unless you speak that blessing and that, that curse and that iniquity, and that root of offense and root of sin on all those things is removed, then that, that individual is going to grow and that generation is just going to repeat the same cycle. All right? And, and that's what we want to see broken. We said generational, and this is important, generational curses don't exist because God punishes the children for the sins of their fathers. We said that what happens is the sins of the parents are picked up by the kids. What do you mean by that? Habits, sinful habits. The children are, you know, exposed to that on a daily basis. They understand that. They learn that. And, and it has a negative effect upon them. I have a friend that, that grew up in a very impoverished background. And I can't even begin to tell you the past and what he experienced and and what he what he grew up with he told me a story the other day that was just he said his father they they lived on a on an on a farm and they'd milk the cow and one day the father 
something happened and the cow must have kicked over the bucket or something. He took a hammer to the cow and just beat it to death. He grew up with that. And I, I mean, I could tell you all kinds of, of terrible things. And, and this man's in his late 60s, still remembering the past. And, and I'll tell you what, that's nothing compared to some of the other stuff he experienced. And what you see then, and then you look at his kids and the grandchildren, and these things, you know, thank God he's saved. But you, you, we don't realize how our lives can affect our children. We said, um, when you're born again, you come under a new bloodline. That's a good place to say amen through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we draw closer to Jesus as believers, we lose our old lifestyle and break the curse from our natural family life line. This becomes the seed of righteousness for our descendants. So it's so important to get Jesus in your heart. It's so important to get into a church. It's so important to renew your mind daily to the word of God and find out who you are in Christ. We said the divine order of things, each generation, everyone say each generation, each generation has a responsibility to nourish and protect the following generation. Every person needs a spiritual covering. And the role of the man in the household is that of a protective covering for a family. And I've gone through marriage counseling and numerous times, and I always accentuate the, and, and, and push this upon the, the husband-to-be that, that it's his responsibility to get his family to church. It's the man's responsibility to protect the wife and the children. And, and, and that is so vital. That is, that's the divine order of things. Children who are left uncovered by their parents. What do you mean uncovered? I mean uncovered. If you don't give your kids a spiritual covering, they're uncovered. And they will try to cover themselves with all the things out there in the world that cannot really cover you. Amen? Pastor Brad tried that. Tried covering himself. Then he came to the place in his life where he knew that he needed that, that, that relationship with Christ. Uncovered people often believe the lie that if they can stand on their own, their self-sufficiency will cover and protect them, and it won't. It won't. We need Jesus. Say, I need Jesus. Oh, yes, you need Jesus. We said there's six benefits of blessing those who curse you. There are six benefits of blessing though. How many have ever been cursed? Amen. How many have ever had your face slapped? I have. I, I never forget this. And Kathy knew the girl in, in high school. I went up to her, and I don't know what I told her, but she slapped me so hard in the face. I'll, I've never forgotten it after all these years. You remember? She told you about, man, that woman slapped me. I probably said something smart. 
dumb. Well, yeah. But there are six benefits of blessing those who curse you. Number one, completeness. Number two, release. Number three, a changed heart. Number four, protection. Number five, freedom. And number six, finally, blessing. We said there are eight key elements of the forgotten blessing. Eight things. When I read to you from Genesis 48. When you bless someone, it should be a natural and spontaneous thing. Don't get weird about it. And I realize, you know, maybe it's kind of uncomfortable, you know, for you to bless somebody. If you're, if you're a parent, if you're a grandfather. Listen, if I was a grandfather, my, I would lift those babies up and those kids and I'd be blessing them all the time. I said, if I was a grandparent, I would use my words and my hands and I'd put them on my grandkids and I'd bless them. Because mama and dad probably aren't doing it. But you parents should know. You know, you, you have, you've heard it. Then do it. Be a doer of the word. Well, I, I long for today to be a grandparent. Not quite. A few years. You know, they get married next year, in the next two, three years. Just to hold that baby. In my arms, that little girl, and bless her. And I will have granddaughters. Did you notice I said granddaughters, plural? It should be natural, spontaneous. Number two, it includes a warm, loving embrace. If you're going to bless someone, you know, give them a hug, embrace them. It includes the laying on of your hands. That's just the scriptural way of doing it. What did Jesus do? He picked those kids up, laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. It, it also includes your spiritual heritage. And I don't care if, I bet if everyone here had looked back, somewhere down the line there was somebody that, that was spiritual. And we need to acknowledge that. We said it includes words of increase and expansion. So when you bless someone, you're going to bless their future. May you be fruitful. May your future bear fruit, an abundance of fruit, spiritually, physically, financially. It includes also, uh, and it requires the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Jacob was led by the Spirit. See, he didn't put his right hand on the firstborn, did he? but he was led by the Spirit. It requires speaking, so you must speak words, and it requires a bold faith. We said there are, there are four ways, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I just went through and highlighted some of these things. I went through every message that, that, of this year. There are four ways to bless an offender. Four ways to bless someone that has offended you. How many have ever been offended? You speak well of them. Say, speak well. You know, we, Americans have the tendency, we really want to curse those that curse us. Yeah, we're all guilty of it. But we need to learn how to bless people. 
We need to pray for them. You mean pray for the one that offended you? Pray for your enemy? Yes, you need to pray for them. Then you, we said also you can prepare a meal for them. And finally, you need to show, and I need to show kindness and mercy. Because if you and I can sow kindness and mercy to someone that has offended us, it could soften their hearts, and it might set them up to be born again and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. I have, I have neighbors. We all have neighbors. I got good neighbors, and I got bad neighbors. Well, uh, some of the, the badness is left because the kids have left. <laughs> but the dogs haven't, and I love dogs. But these neighbors have dogs that are possessed by Satan himself. <laughs> Literally possessed. And and one's now, I won't even name it, it's got a name. And it's just, it goes up and down the fence, it just barks, and it used to drive me nuts, and I used to call the police, and I used to, finally I just gave up. And now I'm out there, you know, mowing, and that dog just, and I just, I just, I don't care anymore. And I love dogs, and, and, and I even have a place in my heart for that demon-possessed dog. But, you know, we need to bless those that curse us. I don't care, you know, whoever, if you were, Diane, you're here today, you work at the general public, you've got people come in, or great, and you've got people come in that are jerks. I don't care if you work, where you work, there are people out there. Did you go out for Black Friday? What a name. I mean, dark and black and wicked and, you know, you're going to have to deal with people. I, I don't think there were any uh, incidents that I heard about. but So you've got to bless people. Then we said our words set, I'm almost done, our words set nature in motion. Life and death is in the, this little member here. You open your mouth, I tell you what, this, this thing can ruin everything. Or on the other hand, it can be a blessing. Our words set nature in motion. We need to have understanding, revelation of the, of the power that's inherent in God's word. And it's vital for us to understand the power of the spoken blessing. So if you understand that there's power in the word of the Lord, then when you put it in your heart and you speak it out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks, power goes forth. So when you, when you speak over your kids and you speak over your grandkids, power goes forth. We said by faith we bless our children even though we see character flaws. What do you mean? Our kids aren't perfect. I got a newsflash for you. Neither are the parents. I got another news flash for you. Neither is grandpa and grandma. There's no, we're all works in progress and we all have character flaws. But we have to overlook the character flaws of mom and dad. We got to overlook the character flaws of the kids. And speak a blessing by faith. By faith you need to see them in a different light. Acting different, talking different. 
You and I speaking God's word in faith over our children will set nature in motion for God to move in their life, for God to bless them in the future. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we hear. We walk by faith and not by the five physical senses. So even though things aren't going well with your kids, keep speaking the word. God's word will not return void or empty. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. It will prosper in the thing that it was sent to. It will prosper and bless your kids. Go through the Old Testament. There were a lot of great patriarchs, men and women of faith and power that did great miracles, and they had character flaws. God still moved. See, God's greater. I could tell Lisa today, I believe, by the Spirit of God, God's greater than cancer. God's greater than any character flaw that we might see in each other. Now, in, in closing, everyone say in closing. That's pretty good for a year's worth of message. I'm not doing bad. The last few weeks we've talked about this. A critical tongue or a complaining tongue blocks the flow of God's blessings in your life. A critical tongue, a grumbling tongue, a complaining tongue will block the flow of God's blessings in your life. So if all you do is complain, whine, moan, and grumble, you're blocking the flow of God's blessings. It's also not a good witness. A complaining, grumbling, murmuring tongue is not a good witness. You know, they should know we are Christians by our complaining. They should know we are Christians by our love. But the thing is, you can't, you can't tell the difference between unbelievers and believers anymore. A critical or complaining tongue does not promote a spirit of hospitality. We're supposed to be a hospitable people. A complaining or critical tongue creates division. A com- critical or complaining tongue is a tool of the enemy to stop a move of God. Now, I don't know what kind of coach I'd be. I, this new coach for Nebraska, he's got his work cut out for him. And I see some of the things that happened this last week and the quarterback and some of the issues, even though they were, you know, innocent. You know, I wouldn't last long as a coach. They'd fire me because I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't allow these these athletes to get away with what they get away with. That's right. And, and you know, if you... Just like in a church, you got people complaining and and they're not happy. There's no perfect church. I got a newsflash. I'm definitely not perfect. Close, but not perfect. And you're not the perfect sheep. Close, but not perfect. And you're not going to find a perfect church. You're not going to find a perfect Pastor, just what you do is you get in, roll your sleeves up, use your tongue right, use your mouth right, use your words right, get in there and serve the body of Christ, and God will bless you. 
A critical or complaining tongue is a tool of the enemy to stop a move of God. We said a complaining tongue displeases God, and ultimately, when you complain, it's not against the preacher, it's not against your neighbor, it's not against your someone, a co-worker, it's against God himself. We said a complaining tongue, it's the result of forgetting his works, it's, it's the result of being impatient, envy, rejection, unbelief. And the thing that we realize, we learned in, 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 in Psalms, the, the Hebrews, the Jewish people complained in their tents, not out in the open. And what happens is, you know, you'll go home and you'll complain. Ooh, got real quiet. I said, we'll go home and behind our closed doors and we'll complain about something. Finally, everyone said finally. What do you do to combat a complaining, murmuring, grumbling tongue? Stay thankful. Be thankful. Be thank- Are you thankful about anything? I was thankful I didn't have to paint the bathrooms. I was thankful when Teelan was here scooping the walks this week. Find something to be thankful for. We learned the psalmist, what he did to combat that complaining, grumbling, murmuring tongue, he worshiped God, because when you worship God, you bow the knee, you humble yourselves. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. Stay in God's rest. Guard your love walk. And what Pastor Brad said, stay generous. Stay generous. Now, that was a review of an entire year. An entire year. So next week, I want you to come with the attitude of faith, expecting to be blessed. Now, I might speak a blessing. I might go off on a tangent. That's why we got to take the entire service to do this. I might speak something else. But basically, I'm just going to be speaking the blessing. I want you to forget the pain of your past, and I want you to have a fruitful new year. I want you to be a blessed person so that you can be a blessing to the world that's out there. Let's stand to our feet this morning.